brings you Betty Davis and Gregory Peck in Now Voyager. Ladies and gentlemen, your producer, Mr. William Healy. Greetings from Hollywood, ladies and gentlemen. The title of tonight's play comes from two lines by Walt Whitman, suggesting that to find life's riches, one must often have the courage to search far afield. To little Betty Davis, when I first knew her in New York, Hollywood must have seemed a distant and unlikely destination. But Betty had spunk as well as talent. She came, she saw, she conquered. And in Warner Brothers' great dramatic hit, Now Voyager, she conquered not only Hollywood, but the hearts of all America. Betty appears tonight in her original screen role as the woman who sacrifices everything for love. And co-starred with her is another favorite of ours and yours, Gregory Peck. The lights at our theater are dimmed, and here's the first act of Now Voyager, starring Betty Davis as Charlotte Vale and Gregory Peck as Jerry Durant, with Joseph Kearns as Dr. Jackwiss and Janet Scott as Mrs. Vale. <laughs> Wants by life and land near granted. Now, Voyager, sail our fork to seek and find. I heard those words for the first time over a year ago from Dr. Jackson in my room at the sanitarium. I knew what he meant by being there three months and now I was ready to leave. I seemed to be well again, but how could he be sure? How could I be sure? I wonder what Dr. Jackson thought of me the day Lisa, my sister, brought him to our house. I remember the way he stood in the drawing room, smiling at me so gently. I, in my low-heeled shoes, and my glasses, fat and dull and sullen, not trusting myself to speak, and my mother. It was not mother's idea to bring Dr. Jeffers to see me. Mother believed only in strength, never in weakness. What was it she said that day? Oh, yes. She said, I'm ashamed of you, Charlotte. I'm ashamed of you, Charlotte. It was Lisa suggesting to bring Dr. Jeffers here, not mine. Your sister says that your recent peculiarities, your fits of crime, indicate that you're on the verge of a nervous breakdown. Is that what you're trying to achieve? Well, Charlotte, has a cat got your tongue? Mother, please be quiet, Lisa. Charlotte, Dr. Jeffries has a sanatorium in Vermont, I believe. Probably one of those places with a high wire fence and yowling inmates. Well, Mrs. Vale, I wouldn't want anyone to have that mistaken notion. A cascade is just a place in the country. People come there when they're tired. The very word, psychiatry. Charlotte, doesn't it feel you with shame? There's nothing shameful in my work, Mrs. Vale, or frightening, or anything else. You see, Miss Charlotte, people walk along a road. They come to a fork in the road. They're confused. They don't know which way to take. I just put up a signpost saying, not that way, this way. Well, Charlotte, would you like Dr. Jeffries to point the way for you? Uh, I'm going upstairs. Charlotte, come back here at once. Uh, please don't. I I'd like to speak to her alone. Excuse me. Oh, uh, Miss Charlotte. Will you wait, please? Yes, Dr. Jackson. Miss Charlotte, I wonder if I might ask you a favor. Would you be nice enough to show me around this house? One doesn't often get a chance to view the Vale residence. Very well, Dr. Jackson. Thank you. Here is the room in which I was born. My mother's room. Hmm. It's a fine room. But I'd rather see what your room is like. I'm not your patient, Mister. Well, nobody thinks you ever will be. But of course, if you doubt not. I'm sure about. When I was seventeen, I stayed out once until after midnight. 
That pretty step has it been six feet. I'm not sure I know what you mean. My mother said, This way, Doctor. I keep my door locked. You can notice, Doctor. Significant, isn't it? Well, it signifies your door. I've never heard it said that a woman's home is not her castle. My castle, Doctor. Well, you're comfortable here, aren't you? I try to be. I'm here a good part of the past. Mm-hmm. Hello. What's this over here? Wood table? Yes. Ivory carving. Did you make this a good box? Why shouldn't I? The point is how you could. I have a very real admiration for people who are clever with their hands. I was always very clumsy of my own. I would say that you're one of the least clumsy persons I've ever known. Oh, uh, you wouldn't happen to have a cigarette hidden away someplace, would you? You think I hide cigarettes in my room? Oh, no, 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 I meant... Where do I hide them, Doctor? On the shelves behind the books? Cigarettes and medicated cherry and novels my mother would never allow me to read? Oh, please, it was only the box that reminded me. Ah, very perceiving you are. How very right you are. You see, I was about to hide this album. You really should look at it, though. It wouldn't do for you to come all the way up here and miss your amusement. Look at it, Doctor. You was in the journal of Miss Charlotte Bale. Well, anything convince you that I don't wish to pry? Oh, but you must pry. I insist that you do. Here's the record of my last trip abroad with my mother. You wouldn't have known me then. I was 20 then, and I was in love. Oh, Miss Bale. Oh, don't be embarrassed. I'm... Here's this picture. I've never met a man like Leslie before. I've hardly ever met a man. Mother thought of that. Leslie loved me. He wanted to marry me. But he wasn't suitable, my mother said. What man is suitable, Doctor? She's never found one. What man would ever say to me, I want to? Look at me. I'm fat. My mother disapproves of the foul rolls of diet. Look at my shoes. My mother approves of sensible shoes. Look at my glasses. You'll never get another pair of eyes, my mother says. Look at the books on my shelves. My mother approves of good, solid books. I am my mother's well-loved daughter. I am my mother's companion. I am my mother's servant. My mother's daughter. My mother, my mother, my mother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah now, no, no, no. Look up here. You'll never get another pair of eyes, as your mother says, if you spoil them with tears. Oh, Dr. Douglas, when you were talking downstairs, when you talked about the fork in the road, there are other forks further along the road. So many. Yeah. Put away your book. Come downstairs. I'll go ahead. It's just as I said, isn't it? Just nonsense. Mrs. Vale. Sir, it's no more than a moting canary. Of course, she's my youngest, you know. The child of my age. My ugly duckling. I suppose it's true that all late children are mocked. Often said children are not wanted. That can must. Dr. Jeffers, are you telling I've me that I've been trying I... to tell you that your daughter is seriously ill, thanks to you. Thanks to you. If you had deliberately and maliciously planned to destroy your daughter's life, you couldn't have done it more completely. Oh, by having exercised a mother's right. Oh, a mother's right, Portal. A child has right to discover her own mistakes, to make her own way, to grow and blossom in her own particular soil. Are you getting into botany, Doctor? Are we flowers? I, uh... I'm trying to help your daughter. I suggest a few weeks at Cascade. I spent three months at Cascade. Outwardly, Dr. Jack was working miracles. I had lost weight. I was looking better. My hands were steady. Inwardly, I didn't know. And then came that morning when Dr. Jeffries told me I could leave. Well, the time has come for you to get out of the nest, Charlotte. Try your own wings. You mean, go home? No, no. Go out and take a good look at the world. On your own. Forget you're a hidebound New Englander. Meet people. Talk to them. I, I just prayed. Charlotte, the other day, I referred to a quotation. Do you remember? Yes. You said it was from Walt Whitman. That's right. Well, I've had it looked up. 
He's put into words that I'd like to say to you far better than I could ever express it. He says, Untold warmth by life and land ne'er granted. Now, Voyager, sail thou forth to seek and find. I sailed in three days at pleasure cruise to South America. Lisa had secured space aboard ship because the girl she knew, Renee Beauchamp, decided suddenly to go to Arizona instead. It was too late for my name to go on the passenger list, and so I was known to the deck steward and to the head waiter as Miss Beauchamp. I dreaded the embarrassment to explain this to the passengers, so I, I simply avoided them and stayed in my cabin. When we reached Campos, I decided to go ashore. Renee had helped me with my wardrobe, insisted, in fact, that I take half a trunk full of her own clothes. As I came down the steps to the tender, I knew people were looking at me. Oh, panic system. My touched eyebrows, my new hairdo, the hipstick I wore, my, my borrowed clothes. The bottom of the ladder, a man was smiling at me. Excuse me, My name's Jerry Durham. It seems you've got the only show carriage left, and the steward suggested that you might be willing to share it with someone. Uh, yeah. oh, I know it's an inconvenience, but it's too much to take. Oh, you can stand it. I should be able to. Oh, thank you. I've enjoyed myself today. Have you? You know, Miss Forchamp, haven't I, I read about you in the newspapers, the girls who jumped horses so well? Or is it tennis? You've never read about me in the newspapers. Oh, I'm sorry. I guess I'm mistaken. Nevertheless, you're quite different from what I expected. Please listen. I'm not Miss Forchamp. Beg your pardon? Renee Beauchamp is in Arizona. I took her space at the last moment. I don't know why I'm telling you this is strange. <laughs> no, you're the stranger. You know who I am. My name is Dale. Whatever appears on the passenger list, it will be C. Vale, Boston. One of the Vales of Boston? One of the lesser ones. Well, which one? Miss or Mrs.? Aunt. Every family has one more. But Aunt what? My name is Charlotte Vale. Miss Charlotte Vale. Do you mind if we go? Oh, Miss Vale, I, I hope I didn't offend you. You know, it, it's like me to blunder just when I was going to ask you for a favor. I've got some shopping to do for my daughters, and, well, I need a woman's help. Of course. Mr. Arnold, and I do test you for that present for young girls. Miss Vale, I wish I understood you. You wish me understood you? Neither. You know, I think we did very well. The jewelry is just right for Beatrice and the sweater for Tina. How old is Tina? Here, yeah, I've got a picture. <laughs> this is my harem, all girls. Who is that music? Well, that's, that's Isabel, my wife. Picture isn't very good of her. She'd only look up and smile. And that's Beatrice next to her. Then that must be Tina sitting cross-legged on the grass. <laughs> yes. We hope she won't have to wear her glasses all her life. Tina wouldn't smile for me either. She's convinced she's an ugly duckling. Does Tina know she wasn't wanted? Now, there's an odd remark. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't know why I made it. Well, I mean odd because it's so close to the truth. Even before she was born, her mother... Well, never mind that. Here's a slight offering for being my guide today. It's a mixture of several kinds of flowers. It's called Jolie Fleur. Oh. Oh, thank you very much. I'll put some on my hand tonight. Well, you're good. In my hand as I walked away with the bottle of Christmas, my heart was beating wildly like a schoolgirl. It was the first gift any man had ever given me. Sit down, Miss Dale. 
Yeah, you made a striking impression over there. Is it good in the doorway looking for me? Probably put on too much mystery. No, not that I noticed. I did notice that wrap at once. What's that? What's what? There's something on your wrap. Pinball. The nose. <laughs> Somebody's playing a joke on you, I guess. And pink. And weak. This tape always makes an impression. I hope it'll do the same for you. What's it mean? It means that this tape belongs to Rene Bush. She let it to Oh, I see. Your wings are borrowed. Well, they suit you just the same. No, they don't. They don't suit me at all. In fact, they're perfectly ridiculous. You're quite right. Someone is playing a joke on me. And it's far funnier than you realize. You aren't going, are you? Yes, please. Well, Jerry. Mac and Deb, too. Well, how are you? Hi, Jerry. We're joining your ship. Oh, wonderful. Oh, these are my old friends, Deb McIntyre and Frank. And my new friend is, uh, uh, Bosan. How do you do? Is this Rene Bosan? No, no, another one altogether. This is, uh, uh Camille Bosan. Excuse me, please. Good night. Oh, wait, Miss Bosan. I'll see you later, Deb. Oh, sir. Did you have to introduce me like that? Well, it wasn't up to me to let the cat out of the bag. Did I do wrong? Why did you call me Camille? Well, the only French name I could think of besides Fifi. I suppose that's meant to be funny. My wife calls my lighter moments trying to be funny. I, I intended a compliment. And that does you rather like a comedian. Lucky. I have a very high opinion of yourself, have you? Perhaps this will help you know why. You showed me a photograph now. I'll show you one. A picture of my family. <laughs> family, right. Who's this, your grandmother? No, my mother. Oh, a very strong character, I'd say. And these? My brothers and their wives. Oh, they're so much older. Who's the fat lady with the heavy brows and all the hair? A spinster aunt. Oh, oh where are you, taking the picture? I'm the fat lady with the heavy brows and all the hair. I'm poor Aunt Charlotte, and I've been ill. I've been in a sanitarium for three months, and I'm not well yet. And I... walking my legs off sightseeing and, and for helping me feel that there were a few moments when I, when I almost sort of lied. Thank you. Thank you who? Thank you, Jerry. Good night. Good night, Camille. Sleep well. In the next few days, I learned about Jerry Darren's sister and Deb told me. Deb talked to Gustavo. How much has Jerry told you about his life at home? Oh, that he was married. In fact, he showed me a snapshot of his family. He seemed very proud of them. He would. He's right out of the age of chivalry, that boy. If you mean thoughtful and consistent. Oh, this boy. You don't know what I'm talking about. I'm afraid I don't. I'm talking about his home, his marriage. Honestly, when I see what a woman like Isabel can do to a man like Jerry, it makes me boil. He doesn't have to stand for it, does he? Oh, yes, he does. His kind always do. The weak have a great strength, you know. When they're clinging, there's something decent and fine. He's been cursed from the very first day he met Isabel by a ruling passion not to hurt her. She's not too well, you know. There must be something more. He married her. Yes, he married her. Isabel was a girl who believed that a kiss required a proposal. He's been draped around his neck ever since. First, he struggled with his architecture till she made him give it up. He wasn't making enough money. The only thing he ever loved. Isabel kept reminding him. But he was now a married man with responsibilities. 
When they had their first child, she considered herself a great martyr. And she's played the martyr ever since. That's her grasp on him. Her martyrdom, her jealousy. And when they fail, her weak heart. She can't have reason to be jealous. Oh, if you mean does Jerry have flings with other women? No. She's jealous mostly of Tina. The child she never wanted. And yet if you could hear her sanctimonious maternal tone when she lets it leak out what a self-sacrificing mother she's been. No, Jerry doesn't know. Or if he knows, he refuses to understand and do something about it. He only insists on enduring. And so I found out that Jerry was unhappy too. Then one evening in Rio, our car broke down on the mountainside. We talked all night, Jerry and I. Before dawn, I lay down beside the fire he had built. And when he thought I was sleeping, he leaned over quietly and kissed my cheek. My boat sailed without me. The next night, back at the hotel, we stood on the balcony looking over the harbor. You can rejoin your crews in Buenos Aires. There's a plane going down first thing in the morning. Then there's another plane going down in five days. It'll get you there the same day as your ship. Oh. You know anybody in Buenos Aires? No. Well, it seems a shame to rush down there to spend five days alone. But you'll be busy here. Oh, my business can wait. And we did start off for a tour. We started off for somewhere. Uh, if I promise to sit at a different table in the dining room and say, Good morning, Miss Dale. I hope you slept well. So people will hear me and never guess that I'm head over heels in love with you. Will you stay? Now, don't say no. Say, I'll see. Uh, I'll see. I'm not doing now. No, not yet. Look at the harbor. Isn't it beautiful? Do you, do you believe in immortality? I don't know, do you? Oh, I want to believe that there's a chance for such happiness to be carried on somehow, somewhere. Are you happy then? <laughs> Close to it. Getting warmer and warmer, as we used to say as kids, remember? But I don't get burned, we used to say. Are you afraid of getting burned if you get too close to happiness? I'm immune to happiness and therefore to burn. You weren't immune last night on the mountain. Do you call that happiness? Oh, small parts. There are other kinds. Such as? Having fun together. Getting a kick out of simple little things, out of beauty like this. Sharing confidence that we wouldn't share with anybody else in all the world. Charlotte, won't you be honest and tell me that you're happy too? Since that night on the boat when you told me about your illness, I... I can't get you out of my mind. Not out of my heart either. If I was free, that'd be only one thing I'd want to do. Prove you're not immune to that.
Betty Davis and Gregory Peck will return in Act Two of Now Voyager in a moment. Back now to William Keeley, our producer. Our curtain rises on the second act of Now Voyager, starring Betty Davis as Charlotte Vale and Gregory Peck as Jerry Durant, with Joseph Kearns as Dr. Jeffers. Her bed during the party. I was a great surprise to the family that night, and 
As they left, one of the guests stayed on to speak to me at the door. Elliot Livingston. Well, Miss Vale? Well, Mr. Livingston. You know, I still can't get over our not having met. Well, as a matter of fact, we have. Once and almost twice. Oh, I'm Mr. Fast. Well, the once is when we were children. You were the only boy who danced with me at dancing school. And the almost is when you were supposed to usher at my coming out party and did you show up. I'm covered with shit. <laughs> I shouldn't have told you it wasn't nice. Well, I, I hope you're going to allow me to make up for my past years, Miss. Of course, any time. Good night. Good night. <laughs> your ankle, Mother. Bring me pain. I'm so sorry. I've been doing some speaking as I've been lying here in pain. Listening to you all having a good time downstairs. How much did that dress cost? It was frightfully expensive. Go to speak now, Mother. I'll tell you about it in the morning. To whom did you charge it? To whom I've always charged my clothes, Mother. And you expect me to pay for articles charged for me of which I do not approve? Well, I could pay for it myself. I've saved quite a little money. I have about $5,000. $5,000 won't last very long. Especially if your monthly allowance were to be discontinued. Oh, I see. Well, I'm willing you should occupy your old room until I dismiss the nurse. That will give you a chance to think over what I've said. I'm very glad to give a devoted daughter a home under my roof and pay all her expenses. But not if she scorns my authority. Well, I could earn my own living mother. As a matter of fact, I've often thought about it. I'd make a very good head waitress in a restaurant, or I could know you think that's very funny. But I guess you'd be laughing out of the other side of your face if I did carry out your suggestion. I don't think I would. And then spring again. She mothered me with a sort of armed truth. In her own way, I think she respected me for what she called my stubbornness. And then there was the matter of Elliot Livingston. Why haven't you accepted Elliot? Do you imagine there's a Livingston waiting for you on every corner? I've been waiting to see how you feel about it, Mother. You know well as I do. Make no difference to you how I feel about it. You always do exactly as you please. I think you're pleased. I'm nothing of a kind. I'm only so astonished that you of all the family should bring such a feather to the family camp. Then if you really do approve, Mother dear, why well, keep all that soft talk for Elliot? <laughs> Mother, there's no one like you. That night I told Elliot I would marry him. Our wedding was set for June. Mother was pleased and I was too. Then three weeks before the wedding, I saw Jerry again. There was a party at George Weston's house. In a room full of people, I saw him, and it was just as if we'd never been apart. George noticed immediately. Why, what's the matter, Charlotte? George, I, I think I know that man over there. Oh, Jerry Dunn. He's been doing a job for me since March. Architect for the medical center. Shall I tell him your name or let him guess? Oh, let him guess. Right, come along. Oh, Jerry, here's someone who thinks he's met you before. Oh, yes, of course. You do look familiar. Now, don't tell me your name. I've got it. Uh, Beauchamp. Isn't it Camille Beauchamp? I'm sorry, Jerry, but you're wrong. My name is Vale. I met you on a pentecruiser. Oh, yes, Miss Vale. I hope you'll forgive me. I'll leave you two alone to make your own tea. George tells me you've been in Boston quite often. Yes, several times. You look simply glorious. An architect. Oh, Jerry, I could cry with pride. I wanted horribly to call you up. I walked by your house on Marlboro Street. Once I almost rang the bell. Oh, I didn't, you? Tell me about Deb and Matt. You introduced me to them on the pleasure cruise, remember? Oh, they're all fine. And how is Tina? Well, you know, we're having quite a bad time with Tina. Tell me about it. I'm afraid we've got to send her away somewhere. Doctor thinks she shouldn't be with her mother. I took her to see Dr. Jackson. He was highly recommended to me by this semi-old Beauchamp I mistook for you. Charlotte, I've got to now, come to your house tonight. I won't stay but ten minutes. I must talk to you. Yes, I'll be with you. 
time to come. I've been home for hours. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm leaving tonight on the midnight. Goodbye. Well, I've got to get back on business. I uh, heard the news. You're going to marry Elliot Livingston. Oh, I wanted to tell you. I just wanted to say I think he's a fine person. And... Well, where are you now? I've got to see you. Charlotte, I think it's best if we don't. Are you at the station? Goodbye. Now, Voyager. Betty Davis appearing now as Charlotte, and Gregory Peck as Jerry Dillon. 
with Joseph Kearns as Dr. Jacob. My mother was dead. I had quarreled with her and I couldn't take off the feeling of guilt. It grew worse and worse until at last I had to get away. I went back to the only refuge I had ever known, back to Cascade. How are you, Miss Vale? Dr. Jack was tired you were coming. Hello, Clark. Well, for goodness sake, I hardly know you. Oh, of course. I expected you hours ago. For a long drive, I'm tired. You suppose I could go to my room right away? Certainly. I put you in 18. Your old room, remember? I thought it would make you feel more at home. Thank you. How was Dr. Jacket? Same as ever, handing out common sense instead of sympathy. Clark, <laughs> that child over there at the table, who's she? A problem if I ever saw one. Her name is Christine Gillens. Uh, oh, excuse me a second. I'd better see about your bag. Prima Gillens. Very tired. She sat alone over a picture puck, her eyes dull and staring behind her glasses. Her plain little face tightened into an expressionless mask. I went and stood beside her chair. Turned away from me. Hello. What's the picture supposed to be? I don't know. Do you mind if I join you? I collect all the pictures. I know who you are. You do? You're my new nurse. No, I'm not. You can't fool me. And I know why you've come here. To make sure I don't run away from this place again. Oh, did you run away from here once? I didn't know. What's your name? You know my name. That's why you stood there and stared at me. Oh, that was very rude of me. But you see, you reminded me of somebody. Who? Well, you must know. Myself. Of course, at your age. Oh, Christine, your schedule calls for you to spend the evening with the young people next door. They don't want me. Oh, nonsense. Of course they want you. I've got a fine ping pong game all fixed up for you. Bob and Betty against you and Bob. But he's the best player here. Can I be the worst? Oh, Bob, I'm done. Now you'll do nothing of the sort. Please, please, don't, don't make me, don't make me. Now, please, don't, don't make me. <laughs> but the doctor wants Christine to have exercise in the evening. Ask me that she has some exercise. I have to take my car down to the town and leave it at the garage to be washed. Christine could go with you. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry, Christine, but, but I... please let me go with this lady. I'll drink all my cocoa tonight, if you will. For goodness sake, Christine, don't carry on. Go get your coat. Thank you, thank you. I'm sorry, Doc, I couldn't help it. <laughs> I thought you were too tired to do anything but just... Crawl into bed. I suppose Cascade has performed another miracle on me. Tina's room was next to mine. Late that night, I heard her. She's crying. Tina. Tina, what's the matter? Don't be afraid. What is it, Tina? He told me. He told me. I won't be your seat. Tell me what's the matter. I'm ugly and mean and nobody likes me. Tina, you? I'm not pretty in the least. And they hate me. They all hate me. Who are they? Everybody. All the kids at school, the cats and the nurses and the doctors. I don't know if there's something terribly wrong with me. Do you like them, Tina? No, I hate them. That's the trouble. You want people to like you, you've got to like them. I bet you're only fooling me. You try to see. In the meantime, it will help you any. I like you. And I think you're very pretty and very sweet. You do? Really? Really. Now don't cry anymore. Oh, why are you so good to me? Because somebody was good to me once when I needed somebody. Now, now, come on, go to sleep. Close your eyes and let your muscles go on. Yes, that.
workshop. I'm sure you're running Cascade now, giving orders to Miss Kraft, my doctor. You mean about that child? Don't try to appear in it. But I didn't give any orders. I only requested. I thought you came up here to have a nervous breakdown. I decided not to have one, if it's all the same to you. Well, go on. I just think Tina is so unhappy here. I haven't anything to do with my time. Mightn't I be the nurse instead? I promise not to do anything again without first asking your permission. It's only... Well, just go ahead and tell me what to do. I'd stay with her, pay attention to her, make her feel wanted and important. I'd, well, I'd take her camping in the woods, the doors camping. Sounds like a wonderful break for her. Because I couldn't do it without her parents' permission. I wouldn't. What would her mother say to you? Oh, she'd accept any plan that would relieve her of the child. has always been a thorn on her side. The old lady would loudly protest if you heard me say so. And uh, her father, what would his attitude be? Sympathetic and protective. Possibly too protective for Christine's good. Result, resentment felt by the mother. Through the child's absence from home became desirable for all concerned, so I brought her here. I was highly recommended to the father by a friend of his, but uh, he placed her in my care, not sure. I suppose I'd better ask you something. How much do you remember about my trip to South America? Well, you sent some beautiful clothes. No, that's not what I mean about an automobile outfit I made and the man who was with me. I never knew the gentleman's name. He never told me. I'd better tell you now it was Tina's father. Tina's father? Mm-hmm. Is that all the situation? Of course it does. I don't know anything about your relationship with Dorrance. I don't know how emotionally involved you are with him. I, I can't work in the dark. Well, I'll tell you everything. It's over. That's it in two words. And Tina meets me, and I... But I've never been needed before. <laughs> well, I'm crazy, but... If you promise to behave yourself... Oh, thanks. But you're only on probation. Remember what it says in the Bible. The Lord giveth, and the Lord takes away. How does it feel to be the Lord? <laughs> <laughs> had to be told, of course, and though we never saw any sent a message to Tina, she asked her to thank me. And then came a time when we returned to Boston and the house was filled with young people. It was laughter and fun and Tina coming down the stairs in a new dress and her hair all curled and, and Jerry standing there. Tina. Daddy, oh, Daddy. Well, can this be Tina? Do I look nice? It's my first party, Daddy. You look lovely. Do you really like me? Oh, I love you, darling. Tina, don't you think it'd be nice to show your father your room and your studio and everything? Would you like to see my room, Daddy? Oh, very much, Miss Vale, partner. How long are you going to call it Miss Vale? What should I call it? I don't know. But it sounds too funny to call it my name for her. Now, what name is that? We decided on a camping trip. I call her Camille. Camille. I think it would sound very nice indeed. Jerry, what are you doing here all alone? Come and join the party. Uh, I want to speak to you, Charlotte. What about? Take Tina home. Take her home? But you, but you can't. Dr. Jackson says it would be the worst possible thing. Oh, I don't care what he says. Charlotte, I've accomplished very little with my life, but oddly enough, I've always managed to keep myself respected. How am I to insist the By recognizing the sacrifice you're making and admitting it. I can't let you do it, Charlotte. I can't go on forever taking, taking, taking from you and giving nothing. Jerry, that's the most conventional power speech I've ever heard. Oh, forgive me. I know it's your pride, isn't it? Let me explain. You will be giving. Don't you know that to take is sometimes a way to give? The most beautiful way in the world is two people love each other. You'll be giving me Tina. Every single day, I'll be taking and you'll be giving. That's very kind of you to put it that way. <sighs> but it is something that Tina has said. Don't you think she's happy, sir? Happy? She told me upstairs she loves you almost as much as she loves me. Well, that is the reason. Is it something about us? Well, of course it's about us. Why didn't you marry Livingston? I'll tell you why. Because I came along and ruined him for you. 
And now my child comes along and claims all your attention and takes your whole life when you should be trying to find some man who'll make you happy. Some man who'll make me happy. Oh, so that's it. Here I've been laboring under the illusion that you and I were so in sympathy, so one, that you know without being asked what would make me happy. And you come up here to talk about some man. Sarah, you haven't the slightest conception of what torture it is to love a man and be shut out. You always an outsider and an extra. Charlotte. When Tina said she'd come and stay with you, it was, well, it was like a miracle. Like having my own child. A part of you. I thought you'd understand, but evidently you don't. Again, I've been just a sentimental fool. The tendency I have. Oh, wait a minute. Uh, I thought... I was afraid you were keeping Tina out of pity. <laughs> but there wasn't any pity in your voice just now. <laughs> I feel very small, Charlotte, and very much ashamed. I'll never doubt you again. <laughs> Come here. Come here, Charlotte. No, Jack, please. Let me go. Mr. Darling, Dr. Jackson knows about us. And he said I could take Tina. He said you're on probation. You know what that means? allowed you to come here as a test. And if I can't stand the test, I'll leave Tina and we'll leave each other. Jerry, please help me. Uh, shall we have a cigarette on? Yes, please. May I sometimes come here? Oh, whenever you like. There are people here who love you. You want to be for this town only. That is, if you help me keep what we have. We could talk about your child. Our child. Thank you. There's something else I, I want to tell you. I, I don't know how. Charlotte, I'm not afraid of what's ahead for us. We have a certain immunity, you and I. It's a strange kind of love, isn't it, that keeps us apart. But it's stronger than both of us together. And it won't die. We believe that, Charlotte. And you will be happy. Oh, Jerry. Don't let us believe. We have the stars. Gregory Peck will return for a curtain call in just a moment. With our stars. It gives me great pleasure to bring back to the footlights for their curtain call Betty Davis and Gregory Peck, who appear together for the first time on any stage. It's really natural to be on a stage with you again, Bill. And it's been a real privilege for me to play opposite Betty. I think for both of you, success was predetermined. It's a very nice thought, Bill. What do you mean? Well, you may not know it, but you were both born on the same day in April. And from ancient law, you know how the stars affect our lives. Well, I know how stars like Betty Davis affect mine. <laughs> well, I'm talking about the celestial stars. Oh, I'm afraid that subject's a little over my head, Phil. Good night. Good night. Good night. You took us on a very pleasant voyage. <laughs> this 
is William Keeley saying goodnight to you from Hollywood.